0: I just don't know why there's so much echo. Are you in a large hall and broadcasting yourself on large speakers by any chance?
1: <laughs> no. no. Okay. There is, there a, is tile a tile floor tile. in this room.
0: Yeah. It shouldn't be that loud. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Solar View Podcast. I'm Tom Miller, editor of Solar View Magazine, and today I'm joined by Bewa RE Solar Systems, Boa Soifer. Boaz, I know, you've been doing a lot of deep thinking about the Baywa office space lately. Um, you want to take this opportunity to weigh in on open office spaces?
1: Sure. I've been on a rant. I think open office is dead. Email is dead. Facebook is dead. And uh, let's get more productive.
0: Okay. Are we we are. Would you call it an open office space where we're in now?
1: Kind of. We we inherited this kind of cubicle system from when we had a, a inside sales team in Santa Fe. Uh-huh. And so we're still kind of like half using cubicles and half kind of spreading out through various parts of the of the office and yeah I think offices with closed doors that allow people to kind of control how much noise they have to deal with and manage distractions is probably a good idea right. and would lose some informal communication but you know there's always a trade-off but mm-hmm. now that we're I think we're 60% remote employees now mm-hmm. um, and so you know the the office makeup uh, is is starting to kind of mirror how we engage with remote employees, right? Where people are managing their own space and choosing to join meetings together. So it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you listened to that podcast that I sent over, but some of the statistics were kind of interesting, like produ- productivity, productivity, went up by 13% when people started working remotely. And then another interesting thing was, with, as people went from over open office spaces to building cubicles, what they found was that people actually met less inside the office, and people started just having meetings remotely from their desks instead of actually meeting up in the physical
1: office space. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I could see that.
0: I asked you to come on today to talk about organizational development, but before we get to that, maybe to set the table a little bit, can you tell us about what's been going on in BayWa in in 2019? You know, any big changes happening and, you know, if it makes sense to go back before 2019, uh, feel free to do so. So yeah, what can you
1: tell us? Um, Well, there's a ton of stuff going on at BayWa. I, I feel like there's a press release coming out of BayWa RE every week about a new solar project or a wind farm or acquisition. And, and some of those press releases lately have been really interesting. So there's a, a subsidy-free solar, meaning solar projects installed without reliance on subs- on subsidies, trend happening in Europe and, and BayWise at the forefront of that. We also just acquired a company called PowerHub in Canada, which is a data management company for the operations and maintenance of solar equipment or solar plants. Um, and so that's... Clearly a strategic move for BayWa in the digitalization of its O&M business. Um, and here we've expanded our distribution footprint. We have a company in Canada now. I'm happy to welcome the team up there. Yeah. And in, in the US, we're also expanding uh, with you know, more sales people around the country, um, new warehouses uh, that are opening. And uh, yeah, it's an exciting time in the industry and in the company.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So, recently you wrote an article for a magazine about core values and company culture. How much of that is influenced, you know, by books and articles, research? How much of your thinking is based on that versus, you know, in-person conversations in the company, you know, working in the company itself? Uh, Do you go in with an idea that you want to implement right away, or are you doing things iteratively? What's that process like for you about, you know, the theory and then the implementation or the practice?
1: That's a good question. I I think the way I like to work varies depending on where I am in a work process. So usually if I get interested in something, it's because somebody mentioned it to me. Could be a coworker, could be a colleague that's outside the company. And um, then I usually start reading and, you know, mostly articles, occasionally books, but mostly articles. Um, And then I start talking to people and just kind of like bouncing ideas off of them and seeing what sticks, or how they react. And I'm kind of uh, getting famous in the Santa Fe office for putting stuff on my whiteboard and then dragging in anybody that walks by my office and trying to explain what's on my whiteboard to them um, and kind of seeing what happens when I explain it.
0: You uh, mean infamous?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay. And so in terms of culture, it, I've, I've always gravitated towards it. I think my core values and my way that i want to be in the world embraces culture and so so i've always been interested in it and at focused energy before we became BayWa, the previous ceo and i started talking about culture as something we can work on no matter what's happening in the market around us and i really like the idea of uh, one kind of controlling your own destiny by working on internal stuff and two the kind of idea that southwest airlines represents which is if you have a really healthy culture then the business results follow. And that's kind of a scary thing to test, but really aligned with how I like to see the world. So yeah, we kind of work on it a chapter at a time. And then every time I get stuck, that's when I go back out for articles and feedback and you know, new ideas and then come back and back to implementation. And I kind of go back and forth between in the work and on the work. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: It does, yeah. And maybe I want to circle back to that. There are a lot of models out there about how to run a company or you know how to run your life. Many of them come and go. Do you have any models or rules of thumb that have stuck around for you? You know, do you have go-to models? You know, that have stood the test of time?
1: Yeah, I think any business leader probably develops a toolkit of of things that resonate with them, mm-hmm. um, models, as you put it. And um, I, I guess some of my Top ones come from Jim Collins, Good to Great, um, the Hedgehog okay. Principle, Level Five Leadership. Uh, those are those are two that I I like going back to. I love Theory of Constraints and uh, uh, Eliyahu Goldratt's books. On that topic, I read the goal I think in about 2003, and uh, I go back to it every four years or so. And I don't necessarily reread the whole thing, but going back to the first principles, I find really helpful. And it's changed how we do project management and um, how we do supply chain stuff. And uh, it's it's definitely been a resource for me. Uh, I love Jake Galbraith's star model. Super simple, but basically connecting strategy to um, capabilities, structure, processes, rewards and metrics, and people practices. So basically, anytime you make a change in the company, you have to look at all of those categories and make sure they're all still in alignment. And so that's always a good reminder to go back to. And then I kind of go to a couple of maybe unexpected things, but the, the I Ching, uh, okay. Art of War, some kind of more general texts that are not just about business, but um, kind of about life in general. And I like applying those kinds of ideas to uh, what we're trying to do at Baywa RE. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. And we'll put a link to those in the show notes for everybody. So Let's talk a little bit about your article. A few weeks ago, you wrote an article about defining a company's culture and the, and the process of going through that, identifying core values, and you, and you focus on something you, that you call attributes. And I want to get into specifics about what those attributes are exactly, but maybe let's just talk a little bit about uh, core values. Could you lay out, you know, what are a company's core values? And, and I'm, I guess I'm also wondering, are core values synonymous with culture?
1: I wouldn't say synonymous. Uh, I think core values are an important element of culture. Um, I think behaviors is an important element. And I think shared beliefs also is an important element. And they all interrelate. But I think those are kind of the three main elements of culture. And, and I guess for me, the point is that those things tend to be implicit instead of explicit. And that as a company grows, it can be valuable to make those things more explicit um, by talking about them. And that increases everybody's ability to uh, be more intentional about supporting those core values, behaviors, beliefs, and challenging them, too, which I think is an important part of the process. So I wouldn't say synonymous, but but definitely an important part.
0: hmm. That's interesting. It, it sounds to me like what you're saying is, you know, we're trying to heighten communication and talking about these things. You know, once you start to use the language of the, of the, the company, then you can create that culture. And part of what we've been doing as a company is trying to elevate feedback, positive feedback, um, but also maybe negative feedback, feedback that can be supportive. Uh, would, you, would you lump those together in with that kind of communication, um, making the implicit explicit?
1: I, I would, exactly. So, so I guess my, my model for this is that health is something that needs to be managed internally, so that it can manifest externally. And that happens both individually and organizationally, right? So my premise is that in order for an organization to be healthy out there in the world, it needs to be healthy inside. And in order for it to be healthy inside, the people that make it up, have to be healthy outside. And in order for those people to be healthy outside, they likewise need to be healthy inside, right? So for me, that's a continuum. And I don't see any value in working on organizational health from an external standpoint, if it's not also taking into consideration, ultimately, the internal health of the employees. And I, and I think it's really important to differentiate internal and external individual health, because when we think about healthy like work practices that support health we think riding your bike to work having a gym at work having a yoga class at work you know that kind of stuff and we have some of that but what's under underneath that is the ability to regulate emotions the ability to communicate the ability to change your perspective right to be open minded so so resilience and kind of fluidity in thinking mm-hmm. neuroplasticity maybe all of that predicates being able to communicate effectively as teams and therefore be successful as an organization so I, I think that's a that's kind of at the core of what I consider my work at Baywa Ari to be about
0: mm-hmm. When a company is trying to tackle all the things you just mentioned, uh, including like trying to identify what their core values are, it can be very challenging. And what you lay out in your article is a kind of stepping stones towards figuring out you know, those big ideas, those core values, that, the, that question of how do you want to exist in the world is using something that you're, you call attributes you know, and these are stepping stones along the way towards identifying your core values. Can you talk about, or maybe start with, give some examples of attributes and how those might lead to you to identifying your company's core values?
1: Yeah. So I think attributes go to behaviors, right? Where we talked about behaviors, beliefs, and values all being part of culture. Um, so, So values is kind of a loftier, concept than behaviors and behavioral attributes are a way to talk about behaviors that, uh, that we want reinforced and that we want, um, in our, in our common mindset, um, in the organization. And, and yeah, I have some favorite attributes. I think we have 18 now. I'm trying not to have too many, but it's always tempting to add another one to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorites is gumption, um, which I learned about from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, but um, apparently it's it, it's it been around a lot longer than that. Um, it's, a, it's a great or, word. Yeah, it's a Scottish word, apparently, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, gumption is about kind of a, a willingness to launch the boat away from shore. And, and it also comes with not a recklessness, but a, a mindfulness and a kind of methodical way of... So a friend of mine talks about his definition of gumption being first, you do the first thing, and then you do the second thing, and then you do the third thing. And if the third thing doesn't work, you go back and do the second thing again. Mm -hmm. And then you do the third thing. And there's nothing like fancy about it. It's right. It's kind of like having a system, having a method and working it, working it, working it and understanding it's a marathon. Often, mm-hmm. right? So, so I like that one a lot. Um, I really like how we define fun, also, because it's not about bringing beer to work um, on on Friday, although that's fun too. But the <laughs> way the way we talk about fun in in um, in terms of a behavioral attribute is making work fun. So, kind of like being willing to enliven a meeting that's crashing and burning, or being willing to. Uh, roll up your sleeves and do something that nobody wants to do, and make it fun for yourself and the people around you. So, so I like how we we talk about that one. I'm curious is a big one for us too, for sure.
0: Okay, we you've just identified some attributes, but you know, just for clarity's purposes, I think a lot of people might hear those and say, "Well, you know, is gumption? Why is that not a core value? Can you separate the two between attributes and
1: core values for me?" Mm. Um, I guess core values for me go. Deeper and bigger, and and I guess th- there is a little bit of overlap between them. Like we have open mindedness as a core value and as a behavior, mm-hmm. um, but we have health as a core value. And obviously, I talked about how I think about health and and relate to it um, as kind of like a business objective, and that. That uh, fits better for me as a core value than a behavior. A lot of behaviors might make up aspects of health, but it's too big a word to describe in behaviors. And it's also too, needs, needs to be individualized, right? So, you know, different people are going to approach health in different ways or effectiveness, which is another one of our core values in different ways. So I guess mm-hmm. I just see them as bigger concepts, but you could interchange them for sure. Right. And they, they do mirror each other. If they were in conflict we'd have a problem, right? So it makes sense there there would be some overlap.
0: Yeah, I think one of my big takeaways from the article, and this helped explain to me the difference between core values and attributes, was kind of the implementation of them. One of the things that I think we're talking about is is language, you know, how mm. we talk about ourselves as culture, how we talk about Baywa in that language. So a lot of the feedback work that we do, we can take these attributes and we can apply them to people and say, "I really like the way you did this. I think you showed a lot of gumption," mm-hmm. and that can become kind of a common language internally uh, as how we think about ourselves. Um, do you agree with that? Do you see it? Uh, do you see it that way?
1: I, I see it exactly that way. I'm starting to think that you know we can talk about culture as a combination of values, beliefs, and behaviors, but the way it's all transmitted is through language uh, and mm-hmm. well, and role modeling, right? Behaviors is, is, is part of that. But the, but when you start using the same word to mean the same thing, then there's a kind of a multiplier effect that happens where uh, people start applying that word more mindfully. So mm-hmm. like if, if we all said we, we like having an environment in which everybody works hard, works hard to one person might mean 80 hours a week, to another person might mean six cups of coffee before noon. To another person might mean something else altogether, right? Whereas if we if we get more specific and we say we value gumption, meaning starting something that's difficult to start and being methodical about it, right? And and we define it, right? We don't just use the word, but we share the definition openly. Um, right. then, then people start to get, oh, what we mean by work hard is be really intentional about how we spend our time, right? Right. And and so so absolutely, I think language is at the core.
0: Um, maybe maybe bring that back to the way we use our Slack channel in Awesome Sauce, because there's a lot of overlap there between attributes and giving people positive feedback in kind of a community setting.
1: Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, So so we have a Slack channel that's linked to Lattice, Uh, which is where we do our people management, uh, including feedback. So you can post in Lattice or in this Awesome Sauce channel in Slack, feedback where you can tag anybody in the company. And usually you give them the feedback, you know, Tom did an amazing job on this podcast. And then we can add any number of our 18 attributes to that post, right? So, So we can add fun. You're a fun guy. And this mm-hmm. is and this is a fun podcast. And mm-hmm. it's work, right? You're you're absolutely embodying that attribute now. So tagging fun with it. And then the the rest of the company can see kind of the relationship between the feedback and the attribute. And you can see like certain people get tagged with dependable a lot and certain people get tagged with collaborator a lot. Um, right. Decision making is one that we have. That's really, really important. And, and, you know, if somebody makes a a difficult decision, right or wrong, they're likely to get positive feedback tagged as decision maker.
0: Right. And I, am looking at our our Slack channel now, and I'm thinking about, you know, a new intern that we brought on and some feedback she gave to the people who are helping her get up to speed. Um, And she's tagging them with the attributes of, you know, excellence and teacher and growth. Uh, and they are also, you know, giving her positive feedback on the work she's doing, you know, with gumption and problem solving. So it's a way for um for us to communicate around this uh, cultural language that we've kind of solidified in and you talk about in your article as the as these attributes. So I just think it's a really healthy, positive, you know way to interact around the same terminology and the same language, as you said before, I I guess I keep coming back to it, it makes that the kind of implicit feelings that we have uh, as we work with people, it makes them explicit, whether it's on a Slack channel or whether, you know, it's maybe on an onboarding process that we use with new employees. I, I want to go back a little bit and examine um, a little bit more about core values and, and, um, and that development. Is it hard to be objective about whether a company is living their core values or not? How do, how do you think about whether you're succeeding or not? You know, I imagine some of these are much easier to measure than others, but how do you assess whether or not you uh, whether or not Baywa is living up to their core values?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think you're right. It is hard to be objective. And I think we all have a tendency to kind of uh, choose to see, we choose to see the best versions of ourselves and choose not to see the worst versions of ourselves. And Mm -hmm. the antidote for that is self-awareness and the method for self-awareness is feedback. And so we've been talking about feedback some in, in this podcast Um, But we haven't said feedback is what keeps us honest. And so when every new employee starts, I give them a presentation about our culture and core values and what we're trying to achieve with all this. And part of that presentation is about feedback. And I tell them everybody in the company should be able to give and receive feedback with anybody else in the company, regardless of title or hierarchy or authority or anything like that. And I want your feedback on this presentation. And I've mm-hmm. gotten some good feedback on my presentation from people who were in their second week of, of employment, um, interacting with me for the first time. And I think it starts from there that that everybody in the company has the ability to see to your question that the emperor might not be wearing any clothes. And Uh, sometimes we might see it and pretend we don't. Uh, Sometimes we might not see it at all. So if anybody sees it, it's critical for them to speak up because the more time we spend out of alignment with core values, in my opinion, the more momentum we lose as a business. And it doesn't matter how cash flow is looking and how throughput is looking and and all those things because we're going to lose ourselves and uh, we won't build on those successes if we don't have an aligned and healthy culture And to the same token a culture is never perfect <clears throat> and, and if a culture appears perfect it's probably a scary environment so mm-hmm. so I, I don't expect the culture to be perfect I'm fully anticipating reviewing our core values and changing them, deleting attributes, redefining them, adding new ones, throwing the attribute thing away altogether and saying, This was good for some things, but it didn't help us in other ways. And let's take a fresh look at how we do this. And if we don't have feedback and and we don't have that open-mindedness about our approach, then we're guaranteed to stagnate and lose ourselves purely in stagnation, right? This is a growth engine. This company is a growth engine. The industry is a growth engine. I am a growth engine. And uh, I don't want to be doing the same thing year in, year out. I I don't believe that will move us forward.
0: Hmm. That goes... To back to one of the questions I was thinking about I was, as I was typing up my notes, and, and I was thinking, you know, we have all these core values, and maybe I should just list them there for the audience. We have effectiveness, partnership, health, honesty, open-mindedness, and engagement. Those are the, the things that we say um, are core to who we are as a company and how we want to talk about ourselves in the world and work internally. I'm wondering, you know, as as you think about the core values and whether you're, or not you're achieving them, does there need to be kind of a tension or a struggle in in that? Is there something inherent about always trying to strive for these things and that's kind of an imperative and something to keep working towards? Uh, like you said, a company that that's perfect is probably a terrifying place. How do you think about um, what what level? I, I guess my question is what do you think about the level of achievement to these core values? You know, obviously you can't hold up, you know, and say one-to-one, okay, as a company, we've achieved all of these core values and we've achieved perfection. How do you think about like how much of a core value you want to try to achieve?
1: Mm. You're an artist, Tom. That's, and, (laughs) and and that was the question that an artist would ask because art is about constraints, right? And, working mm-hmm. within the, the boundaries of a canvas. And, and I'm, I'm kind of um, half quoting Wendell Berry from a brilliant article he wrote in Harper's oh, a few years ago. But that constraint and, and working with constraint is what makes quality possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it's not about quantity anymore. So, so when Wendell Berry talks about you know, making a meal from the food he grew on his own farm, he's working within a really limited set of constraints but the quality of the meal that he makes is then what gets all the attention, right? Yeah. And and a painter painting on a limited canvas is going to make really careful choices about how they use that medium. And I think I think all of life essentially um, is the same. And this it, is kind of like a Persig kind of day because the, right. uh, the the other I was thing just
0: thinking about that, yeah,
1: the other thing that in the art of motorcycle maintenance is all about is what is quality and um, and there's no limit to quality and and when we think of our core values through the lens of quality it's never a question of achievement it's only a question of of quality How, can can we refine this can we make better choices can we uh, can we improve and so we we i feel like we hit a milestone this year because we had an intern this summer that I interacted with maybe once or twice right they got the presentation from me at the beginning of their internship and then we talked you know a couple times during the summer. And at the end of the summer, I asked him for feedback and he said it was an amazing work experience because of the culture and how much he learned about communication and how much he learned about what professionalism could be like. And and previous internships, he'd worn a suit and tie and, you know, uh, been quote unquote professional in ways, but what he experienced with us was a quality of culture that he hadn't experienced before. And I love that I didn't have anything to do with it, but that he experienced that through so many other people in the company. So that's a milestone, an achievement, mm-hmm. but it only creates room for greater achievement, right? Greater alignment, ultimately greater health. And, and that's about quality and, and not more yoga classes and more stuff, but the quality of communication, the quality of how we spend our, our time and our energy.
0: Right. That's a great answer. So I know you have a hard stop coming up. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that might seem a little bit odd, but, but I want you to, to go with me on this. Um, close your eyes and imagine that you're in the office and you're surrounded by all the people you interact with every day. You're going to meetings, you're on the phone, you're talking with partners. And I want you to describe to me the company that you see in your mind.
1: The, the words that come to mind first, Tom, are um, integrity and authenticity. Um, right behind that is fun. Um, play hard, work hard. We have an incredible team and uh, it's spread all over the country. We have a lot of different personalities, people with very different backgrounds. But I see people showing up to the kind of culture that we're offering and wanting to co-create it. And when we, when we are interviewing we ask ourselves is this a person that would make our culture stronger not is this person a good cultural fit but will they make our culture stronger and what we're talking about is is this someone who is going to not buy in like that's the that's the easy button but somebody who is going to co-create with us and the only way to co-create in this culture is by being self-aware being open-minded and growing and learning and communicating and we have people that have grown immensely in our company and that's that's what i'm thinking of when i think about integrity and authenticity and i've grown immensely being in this company being challenged by um, the people that i work with being challenged by the market being challenged by competitors um it's this is uh as i said earlier a, a growth engine both the industry and the company uh and and uh yeah i'm i'm really happy and proud to be part of it
0: yeah great well that I think that's a great place to end it uh, I'd recommend everybody go and read Boaz's article on on attributes and, and core values uh, we touch on he touches on a lot of the things that we talked about today so yeah thanks for taking the time Boaz appreciate it as always great
1: question Tom thank you.